afternoon everybody and welcome to a playoff edition of the kelly green hour as your number one or as your top seed at philadelphia eagles are set to face the sixth seeded new york giants who are coming off of a 31 24 upset over the fraudulent minnesota vikings i for one did pick the giants to win that game because i never had any belief in the minnesota vikings i'm your host lg and as always i'm joined by my co-host connor donald as we are doing our, our show a little out of turn, as we usually do it on Fridays, but it's been a chaotic week, and with the Eagles playing on Saturday night this week, we wanted to make sure we got this in. Uh, so we're here today. Connor, how you been? I'm good, man. That was a wild, wild card weekend, I'll tell you that. But uh, just like you said, we, we've been calling the Giants and the Vikings fraudulent all season, mostly the Vikings more than the Giants, but... Yeah, that would that came as no surprise. The decision making by you know Kirk Cousins on that final play was probably going down as a one a bone one of the biggest boneheaded decisions of the year. And there's a lot of clock management ones. We can talk about Brandon Staley playing players in meaningless games and injuring them, and probably being one of the biggest causes for them not being able to beat the Jaguars. Like. It was a wild weekend, though. That was some. There was a lot of good football. Even the Seahawks gave it a go for one half, even though they then got demolished the rest of the way. Um, and the only disappointment was that the Dallas Cowboys won. That that was a bit of a disappointment. Yeah, of course it was. We don't want to see them playing, but the road to an Eagles Dallas NFC Championship game, which I don't know if the world can handle, is still there's it's still set up uh, for potentially happening this week, even though I. And, you know, as a, as a spoiler alert, I don't see Dallas beating San Francisco in San Francisco. Um, as always, but before we get started, as always, follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. <clears throat> follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. Follow me on Twitter at LJHaral54. Follow the Painted Lines on Twitter and YouTube at the Painted at the Painted Lines, and follow Edge of Philly Sports on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at EOP Sports or Edge of Philly Sports. So. Quickly, we want to dive into the, the weekend's game. You kind of touched base on it. The, San, the, the the biggest, I think, play in that San Francisco-Seattle game was the ineligible man downfield. That changed the complexion of the game. If, if they don't call that play, I think the Niners had a first and goal and are going into score because I think a play or two later, um, Geno Smith fumbles. The Niners, you know, take the ball, go down the field and score and change the entire complexion of that game. Or we could be talking differently today. About and we could be talking about the Seahawks today instead of the Giants if if that play never happened. Yeah, I mean that play was definitely huge. It was a the, definitely the turning point of the entire game. And I get it; people hate the rule and the fixation that the NFL has on the rule this year. But I mean, he was more than a yard downfield. Although I'm starting to think a yard is 
maybe there should be some flexibility on that because the way that offenses play now one yard and you can't move until the ball's going is, is really hard for some of these offenses to make that happen. It's, it's frustrating. And we would know best because the Eagles got called for a bunch of them. Yeah. As an Eagles fan, I hate that penalty. And it doesn't, it's not, and it has zero impact on, on the game, on the play for the most part. That, if it's a great, I find it if it's egregious, like they're upfield and they took somebody out well before the ball got anywhere near there, I get it. But like some of these aren't even egregious. Some it's just a guy taking that extra one, literally that one foot step ahead, and then the flag goes. It, it's it. There's so much more the refs in the NFL need to focus and start getting right that that penalty just seems like something that they're fixating on and missing other things because of it. Yeah, and and again, as an Eagles fan, because we've seen that penalty time and time again, it, it's stupid. Especially when it's it, it's on the, it, the other side of the field, it, it has zero impact on the play. The night game on Saturday, the Chargers had a twenty was a twenty seven nothing lead, I think, on on this Jacksonville Jaguars and Dougie P, being able to come back, he went for two after Bosa had a penalty, and we know that he, you know, what we we call him, what did we call him in Philly? Big balls, Doug. Not a surprise that he went for two, and then on that fourth down play. Setting up like they were going to go for a QB sneak and with the with I guess what we call a wishbone formation in the backfield and handing it off to Travis Etienne to go to the right side and get the first down, which allowed them to kill the clock more and kick the game-winning field goal as the Jaguars came back to win 31-20. And then Dougie, we get that Dougie P. Andy Reid matchup this weekend. Uh, so it's a, kind of a Philly flair in that in that game. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm happy for the Jags. Listen, the Chargers, and what did I say last week when I picked the Chargers? And this was prior to the injury. I did pick Jacksonville, just saying. <laughs> yeah, but and it was also prior, it was prior to the injury to Mike Williams. Say the injury to Mike Williams happens. I don't necessarily know if I'm able to pick the Chargers, even though it looked like they were going to take the game and they would dominate in the game. But at the end of the day, the Chargers are one of the most unlucky teams in the league. They find ways to lose the last like five years. It must be excruciating to be a Chargers fan. Injuries, bad luck, terrible coaching decisions. However, whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to blame for it, they are doing everything to lose games versus win games. And I, I just don't envy being a Chargers fan right now. But that was an impressive game. I love Doug Peterson. I wish he didn't go. So I think a lot of us wish he didn't go the way that he went. Um, but at the end of the day, we're not going to take it back. We like Nick Sirianni too, but we love Dougie P. The love will always be there for Dougie P, no matter, as long as it's not a Jags and Eagles Super Bowl. And even then the love's probably there, but sadly we're going to have to say, Doug, we want you to lose, obviously. Well, I mean, we had the love, the love fest with Doug Peterson earlier this year at the Eagles <laughs> Jaguars played. Um, also, Trevor Lawrence, what did he have, four first-quarter interceptions or something like that? Yeah, it was crazy, but he had a good second half. So um, got to give the Jaguars a lot of credit. On the Sunday, the Bills defeated the Dolphins 34-31, and the Dolphins deserve, deserve a lot of credit playing with Skylar Thompson. Um, and you knew, like, that the Bills were going to play tough with the whole DeMar Hamlin thing and, and, and you know, with the home game. But got to give a lot of credit to, to Miami. And if Miami has two, they probably win that game. Um, and and we're you know and they're moving on to the to the uh, divisional round, but the, the Bills were able to uh, come away with the victory. 
Yeah, and I mean, we're going to talk about the Ravens and Bengals in a second, too, and that's the biggest thing. That's why I don't trust divisional matchups. This, I don't think the Giants are going to be a walk in the park this week as much as I want to think it, and it looks like it, and on paper, everything feels that way. I just cannot get behind that it's going to be that way, and I can't predict like this blowout victory for the Eagles because look at the divisional matchups this weekend. The Buffalo Bills against a third-string quarterback, it ended up 34-31. The Bengals and Ravens, the Ravens have looked so abysmal. Even I even said it when it, during our prediction show. They look so they've looked so bad limping into the playoffs, and the Bengals were barely able to get by them. So, and I know the Bengals got beat up with some injuries, but that is still a high-powered offense despite some offensive line injuries that happened. But the Bills and Dolphins was definitely a really close game, closer than I thought, and just all the more reasons tells me why I hate getting into a divisional matchup in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, definitely, and especially when we talk the Eagles Giants, we'll definitely get into that. The second game on Sat on, on Sunday, excuse me, the Giants, as we talked about, defeating the Minnesota Vikings, thirty-one twenty-four. Dan Daniel Jones, um, man, he first quarterback in NFL history with three hundred plus passing yards, seventy plus rushing yards, and two touchdowns, I think, or something like that. I forget what the the exact stat is, but um, you know. I guess he deserves credit. Now, I still don't think he's a franchise-type quarterback, so the Giants are probably going to give him franchise-type money, and that's going to be bad for that franchise, and that's why they're the Giants. Uh, but, you know, he, he got the job done, and, and taking that team that doesn't have much talent into the second round and into Philly, it, it, he deserves credit, I guess. And, and, and Brian Dayball definitely deserves credit. He's a good coach. I was going to say, Brian Dayball probably deserves the most credit because he's working with what he got or what he has, which is a mediocre offense. Um, and at the end of the day, Daniel Jones beat up on the 31st ranked defense in the league. You better be able to beat up on that defense. That defense is terrible. And one of my biggest things about this game and why I thought, why I wanted to call it an upset is because I believe defense wins championships, but not in regard to don't let the other team score any points. I speak in regard to when you need a stop, what defense can you trust to make that stop? I don't trust the Vikings to make any type of stop or have any formidable stand on defense. And they proved 100% accurate this past week with what they did there. And I talked about it with Kendrick's comment about, well, our offense is scoring more points than the other team's offense. So that's all that matters. Take some accountability. Look in at yourself. Your offense is garbage. Terrible, and I. Well, their defense is yeah defense is just so bad and 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 when I was talking to a Vikings fan that's the exact reasoning I used and they said well we're missing some players in the secondary I get it they are missing one of their better safeties they are missing their nickel cornerback and their top cornerback I get it I still don't know if I'm particularly sold that they would be that much better with those guys in the lineup it's just an overall mediocre team and they're already talking about keeping Kirk Cousins again they're the definition of mediocrity like them and the Steelers are just so content with year over year making the playoffs or having a winning record and busting from there yeah they definitely do not want to uh, win a championship if they're going to keep Kirk Cousins, but his his agent, you know, deserves to be in the Hall of Fame because he keeps getting all this money. The nightcapper on guaranteed Sunday night, money too. Oh, oh. The, the the nightcapper on Sunday night, the Bengals defeated the Ravens twenty four seventeen. The game winning play was on. Well, I don't know. I don't remember the down, but 
Um, Tyler Huntley tried to QB sneak it and put the ball out a little early, had knocked out, and Sam Hubbard took it 98 yards for a touchdown for Cincinnati, and they were able to come away with the 24-17 victory. And again, as you mentioned, this was another division game, and that's – I don't want to say a cause of worry, but that, that brings concerns for the Eagles matchup with the Giants this week, which obviously we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but, you know, again, the Bengals deserve a lot of credit for the way that they played that game without Lamar Jackson, and they might have to get used to it. If I know that they might franchise them, but even if they franchise them, there's still a chance they could trade them. Um, they gave Roquan Smith a big contract um, so that they wouldn't have the ability to franchise um, Lamar. But I mean, while the Ravens deserve credit, the bang, now we get that Bengals-Bills matchup that we were unfortunately weren't able to see a couple weeks back uh, on that Monday night, and this time it'll be in Buffalo. Yeah, um, I found the play calling for the Ravens kind of suspect altogether, like maybe not to the extreme J.K. Dobbins one with his comments about the coaching staff and stuff, but I found like that passing offense, that passing altogether there is just terrible. Mark Andrews has fallen off a cliff because the passing game hasn't been the same. No, Demarcus Robinson's been able to show a little flash here and there like he like he did there against the Bengals. But there's no consistency. The injuries have beat them up pretty bad. And I think they have literally lost the battle to not give Lamar Jackson the farm. I think it was proven that Lamar Jackson is deserving of getting some good money. And a lot of agents are going to look at that Deshaun Watson contract. And a lot of teams are going to look at that Deshaun Watson contract. Agents and players are going to love it. Teams are going to sit there and curse the Cleveland Rams out for why would you ever do this and put us in this position? Because so many, the guaranteed money for quarterbacks is going to go up and up and up. And eventually, at some point, almost all quarterback contracts are probably going to be fully guaranteed. Like you're getting to a point where it's going to be very hard. If that's your guy, that's your answer, that your franchise quarterback, you're just going to have to doll out the money and figure out what to do elsewhere. But I mean, he's definitely Lamar Jackson can sit there and say he he's definitely earning his, his money without even being on the football field because his offense has looked really bad without him. And it definitely hasn't. Mark Andrews hasn't looked good, and I know they don't have receivers. They have to try to get him uh, get if if Lamar's back, try to get him a receiver uh, to help the offense. And then on Monday night, Dallas unfortunately beat Tampa 31-14. Um, even though Brett Maher missed four straight extra points, which is ridiculous. Never, I don't think I've ever seen that happen. I, actually, I know for a fact I've never seen that happen. <laughs> Tampa looked like an under five hundred team. They looked like a team that shouldn't have been in the playoffs. Um, and we now we just got to figure out what the heck's going to happen with with, uh, with Tom Brady. Yeah, and but then Byron Leftwich got fired today. It looks like, you know, Tampa's starting to clean house. They're probably going to have to start looking towards the future and life after Tom Brady. I just don't know, like, even if you get some of these injured players back that were missed a lot of this season, I don't even know if I can confidently say that Tom Brady's going to want to stay there. Like, you got teams that are interested, like the Titans could be a Tom Brady away from, you know, three or four extra wins. I don't know about the Raiders. They're the ones that got the bottom of the heap. It goes San Fran. Of the three interested teams, San Fran, Tennessee, and the Raiders. That's the order I would pick. I would rather go to the Raiders than Tennessee. Tennessee has no receivers. They're they're just no. I would rather I'd rather throw to Devontae Smith and or Devontae Devontae Adams Adams and Hunter Refra and Darren Walt. Like I'd rather throw to them than throw to Traylon Burks. Like so I I while San Francisco is pro- because he's from that area, that was his favorite team growing up. 
that's probably the top of his list. I think the Raiders, and, and with McDaniels being there, and he, he has a relationship with them, that would definitely be ahead of, of Tennessee in my book. I just, and one of the things about San Fran that gets me is this whole Trey Lance situation. You have had, so I get it, he hasn't played a whole lot of football, but he has not looked good in the system. You just watched Jimmy Garoppolo look, Jimmy Garoppolo look really good in the system. You watch, you're watching Brock Purdy look like a damn MVP in the system, and you haven't been able to figure it out in the system and with some of the weaponry. Like, and now they're still in the market for quarterbacks. That's what gets me. You traded three first rounders to get the opportunity to draft Trey Lance, and now we're sitting here, and they're going to be in the quarterback market, or they're heavily considering being invested in Tom Brady, at least. Maybe not the whole market, but Tom Brady at a minimum, they want to be in on. That to me just, I just can't believe it. All those first rounders traded, all that value traded, and they haven't been able to figure out if Trey Lance is a guy entering year three when Brock Purdy looks a lot more like the guy. And that is so scary to say. Well, we'll, we'll figure out if Brock Purdy really is that guy. You know, he has a couple of big, uh, tough matchups come, potentially coming up. I mean, I, I still think Dallas is a, a little overrated especially defensively. I don't think they're as good. And I think that the what Shanahan can do is going to be able to exploit kind of the Dallas's defense. Um, and then if he has to come to Philly, you know, trying to win that game on the road at, at the link uh, would definitely be a, be a lot of fun. Um, all right, so that, that's kind of the quick wrap-up of the Super Wild Card weekend. And now we have the Divisional weekend coming up. Um, let's jump right into the Eagles-Giants Um and then we'll quickly touch base and give our predictions on, on the other three divisional games. But <clears throat> this is the Eagles' second consecutive game against the Giants, obviously the Week 18 matchup, and then having the bye last week. Um, while the Eagles did win both of them, I don't really count Week 18, A, because the Giants played nobody, B, the Eagles had a very vanilla offense. We want to go back to December, the Week 14 game, when <clears throat> you know the Eagles were healthy, for the most part, the Giants had their starters. I don't think Adoree Jackson or Xavier McKinney played in that game, um, but they'll be back this week. That That's going to, you know, be big, I think. You know, the, the Giants are – the the Giants – I don't want to say the Giants are have them have a lot of momentum because they were, what, two and four, two and six down the stretch. So it's not like they they, didn't, they weren't, you know, playing at, at a, at a like, you know, a, a hot, hot pace. But being able to go on the road in the playoffs as a young team with not a lot of talent, you know, that gives them a little bit of momentum. And the Eagles haven't played their best game since, I think, that Week 14 game against the Giants. So, um, you know, while the spread, I think, is pointing, like it, it, the line is saying, you know, this is an Eagles line. They're, what, seven, seven-and-a-half point favorites. Like you mentioned, divisional matchup. We saw it last week with the, the Bills-Dolphins, Bengals, uh, and, and the Bengals-Ravens. It's going to be anything but uh, a cakewalk for the Eagles. Yeah, and like, and as you mentioned, they they they're really inconsistent. They haven't won back to back games since October. The last time they won back to back games was they went when they went on that streak of beating the Bears, the Packers, the Ravens, and the Jags. And then since then, it's been loss, win, loss, loss, tie, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win. So they cannot put together. They can't put together back to back games worth a damn. And that's not to discount because I hate to discount. It's still a divisional matchup. They're still good. Saquon's still good. Daniel Jones is able to pull some stuff out of his hat. Um, but they're very inconsistent, and uh, and and that 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 would be tough for for 
them to overcome the thought of having to win back-to-back games for the first time in months. And it, there's no better time to do it, but can they do it is a real question because just like they look, just as they look statistically, they're a very inconsistent team. They're a very middle of the road team. They look like a deer in the headlights week in and week out. And sometimes they are able to salvage it. And sometimes they're just not able to salvage it. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But no matter what, I feel like it won't necessarily be the play of the Giants that differentiates how this game goes. I think it's going to be about the coordinators like we've talked about week in and week out. What coordinate, what defensive coordinator, what offensive coordinator are we getting? Who's going to be, what type of play calling are we getting from this Philadelphia Eagles staff? Because it's been very worrisome and very inconsistent since that Chicago Bears game. So when it comes to the Giants, we know that on the defensive side, Wink Martindale is going to blitz. They they don't, they, I think Dex, was it Dexter Lawrence had the most sacks for them with seven and a half, I think maybe, um, as an interior guy. Um, but, you know, while they have Kayvon Thibodeau, he only had four sacks and his big game was against Washington um, a couple weeks back. Um, so what the what they did on in that week 18 matchup in, in Philly against Jalen Hurts coming back, even though again it was vanilla, Jalen Hurts wasn't trying to run and get hit. They brought the house, they blitzed. And and if the Giants are gonna do that, we need to have hot routes and we need to have you know, if if the protection can hold up for like two seconds, throw the ball down the field to AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. They've both been outstanding receivers, obviously, for the Eagles. Um, you know, both going over a thousand yards and Brown setting the franchise record in receiving yards. So the Eagles are going to have to take advantage of that. Um, and we know offensively for the Giants with Mike Kafka and Brian Dable, you know, designing the game plan, they're going to try to, you know, get Daniel Jones to the outside. He's had success running the ball against the Eagles. I um, mean, we know how the Eagles are when it comes against running quarterbacks and their run defense really hasn't been that great. And it, and if you remember the Week 18 game when it was all backup second and third stringers for the Giants, they still were able to run the ball all over the Eagles starters. So that, that's it's going to be key for the Eagles to – they're going to be seeing Saquon Barkley. They're going to be seeing um, Matt Breida. Like you have to be able to, to, to control the gaps and not allow them to get into the open field because if the Giants are able to employ the, the game plan that, um, you know, Washington had in, in the Eagles' first loss or the Saints had – um, you know, in week in week 17, run the football, control the clock, force turnovers, and not allow Jalen Hurts and that offense onto the field. I mean, a game that sh- probably shouldn't be that close and out of question going into the fourth quarter could be. And that's when, you know, the, the underdog team thinks that they have an opportunity to come away with a victory in a game they shouldn't win. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's clearly shown that, you know, the blueprint exists for the way to win. And that's keeping Jalen Hurts. That's keeping the Eagles offense off the football field and control that time of possession. It continues to be a big thing is controlling that time of possession and being able to take complete advantage of of the defense and what the defense is willing to give you, because a lot of quarterbacks have taken advantage of that against us. It doesn't have to be pretty. They don't have to make these big 20, 30 yard plays. If you can take five yards here, five yards there, control the time of possession, make easy to achieve third downs. Then then the game can be, can get out of control very quickly. Just like we saw in the Washington commanders game, just like we've seen in past in recent games for Philadelphia. And, it sucks to to see it to see it that way and to see that it can be that simple but 
especially when you're like an underdog like the Giants who are seven and a half point dogs. They're going in basically being given no chance by Vegas, basically being given no chance by a lot of the national media. At the end of the day, they do still have a chance because they have played us two times. They got lots of tape. While one time may not fully count, they got lots of tape to look at. They got lots of ways that they can say this is how we're going to attack this defense. This is how we're going to attack this offense. And like you said, the blitz, and there's definitely going to, it may take away a tight end because you may need that extra person to help block because we know Lane Johnson is not 100%. While apparently he's looking really good in practice and he's going to give it his, give it a go, he's going to give it his all, obviously, as he's been rehabbing the last two, three weeks to get ready for this. We do still have to remember he's not 100%. He does he is in a position where as soon as the season's over, he's going under the knife and getting a surgery. So at the end of the day, playing through something that you require surgery for is not saying is clear that somebody is not 100%. So you might have to provide some support there. Hopefully Jordan Mailata and Landon Dickerson can hold up. Definitely the middle of that uh, offensive line has to hold up because Dexter Lawrence was an absolute monster. If you have the tackles and guards focused on blitzing or people, extra bodies coming through, that might leave a guy like Jason Kelsey all alone to take on Dexter Lawrence. And like Dexter Lawrence said, he knows how to manipulate the body. He's a small guy, but he knows how to manipulate the body and manipulate where where you're going. So we know that he's really smart, but that doesn't mean can he hold up for an entire game against a guy like Dexter Lawrence? That would be interesting to see. And that's going to be an intriguing matchup. Because Dexter Lawrence, he's about to get some money, man. I would love to see him in Philadelphia. But uh, obviously, he's about to command a ton of money. If we can't afford to keep what we got on roster, we ain't affording Dexter Lawrence. But, yeah, it's going to be – they uh, prioritize the defensive line, so they can find a way to make money available for somebody like him if he wanted to come here. I'm pretty sure how he could figure it out. I'd, I'd let most of them walk except for, you know, keep Gardner Johnson and then bring in Dexter Lawrence. I think that I'd be okay with that personally, but I mean, we'll see. We have lots of time to talk about that at the end of the season. But yeah, and I think it's going to be also about establishing any sort of run game. The mile, the use of Miles Sanders has been still really suspect um, in recent weeks and since that Chicago Bears game where Jalen Hurts got hurt. So I'm really hoping that they start to use him. This is a New York Giants team that ranks 27th against the run. They give up almost 140 yards per game. There's no reason you can't establish a run, and it feels like we just have not been able to establish that run game whatsoever. We feel I feel like we're a broken record saying it because I think we've said it almost every week since that Chicago Bears game. They cannot seem to figure out how to get – Miles Sanders involved. Well, he has been in a he has been in a, knee, he has been in a knee brace. So hopefully the the time off and not getting a lot of wear and tear over the last month of the season. Then give it to uh, Scott. Give it to Gainwell. Give it to somebody. Like you have to establish a run game because at the end of the day they're going to bring the blitz a lot. If you don't try and bring some of the heat off of Jalen Hurts and that game, offensive line, it's going to be all day the, under the run pressure. Run game is is Jalen Hurts, and when you have that, and you don't have them for two weeks, and then have the very vanilla game plan last week, and they came out and started the game throwing nine consecutive passes. Um, that's what you know, I don't know. I think I guess maybe they wanted to get Miles or excuse me, Jalen Hurts in into rhythm. Um, when it comes to Boston Scott, I'm not a, again, you know, I'm not a Boston Scott fan. He only has he's only good against the Giants, so we'll probably you know, I already put him up in a, in a parlay. As I say, anytime touchdown, yeah, right? Here. I already got an anytime touchdown parlay for Boston Scott for this weekend. Um, but they don't have that. Let's put it this way they don't have their running back of the future on the roster. 
the, Miles Sanders wants to come back, but I don't think he comes back. If they draft one, it'll be second day, second or third day. Like I would love the Jameer Gibbs. They're, I think the the thing that can help the Eagles when it comes to to the running back position is that it's going to be flooded this offseason that they might be able to get somebody to come back. I mean, Miles can potentially come back for cheap because he won't garner the money he thinks he's going to garner, or they can go or they can get somebody else. Again, I don't a Tony Pollard type of guy that will come in, but he was expecting this big contract, didn't get it because again, with the backs in the draft and the, the free agent class of running back being really huge, that they'll be able to get somebody with a decent enough skill set that can mesh with with this offensive line and with Jalen Hurts, and they won't have to pay a lot of money. The Eagles are a franchise that's not going to – again, all these mock drafts with the Eagles at the 10th pick taking B. John Robinson is not happening. They will never, ever, ever take a running back in the top 10 or in, potentially not even in the first round, let alone the top 10. You know, with, If their second pick's at 31, their second first-round pick's at 31, maybe. Um, <clears throat> but, like – and I don't nah, – Gibbs isn't just the receiving back. Gibbs did it all at Alabama. He was able to run it, pass – Gibbs is – he's, I think, number two the number two running back in the draft. And I would I would take Gibbs over Robinson, but that's just me. Um, especially he doesn't have that wear and tear that, that Robinson had at Texas. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, Allison, Boston Scott's going to probably make the roster next year. They, they seem to really – like Boston Scott, he's kind of showing a bit of a value at, you know, returning kicks. But, I mean, we still need to address kick pump returner neck this offseason. That, that's a gimme. Um, but, yeah, like at the end of the day, I agree with you. I think I was talking in one of our TPL group chats saying I love looking at mock drafts and seeing running backs and linebackers to the Eagles because I can say this mock's wrong, this mock's wrong, this mock's wrong, this mock's wrong, because it's so easy. It's like these people have not watched Howie Roseman over the last five years. Running backs and linebackers in the first round are not his thing. Even on day two, sometimes you're looking at a stretch to see a running back or linebacker go. That's how little they value the position. And with the offensive line that we have, you don't have to value the running back position extremely high because like we've said over and over, anybody's going to be able to run behind that offensive line. They open up massive holes. They clear the path for you. They give you five yards before you even get contact against you. So at the end of the day, it's it, you can run behind that offensive line. You don't have to put a lot of value in. And like you said, I think if you wait it out, you take a day three running back and then you go to the right and then you uh, look at the you wait for the guys who were expecting big money, didn't get big money, and you can get a good value on a running back. I think that we are going to see the running back, the true number one RB on this roster, until I think well after the draft. I think as things start to settle down and people's values start to go back to earth and agents start saying, okay, we got to get you somewhere, that's when Howie's going to make his magic work and he's going to make one of those big deals that Howie makes in the offseason. There's just no value in the RB position here. Bijan at 31 or whatever, okay, I can get behind it. It makes a little bit of sense. Bijan at 10 is absolutely un absurd i get it there's no elite elite franchise alter and talents there's like you know it's pretty top heavy again this year but Bijan robinson it's still a running back it's still an rb in a league that is valuing rbs less and less each year yeah the eagles will go offensive line or defensive line at 10 before they take a running back and that's pretty that's a, the biggest guarantee in in draft history <laughs> they won't take a running back at 10 um they'll probably trade it trade back if if the guy they want 
you know, the drops there. I'm um, starting to think that too. Yeah, but let's not talk about the draft yet. We want to at least get another couple of games out of uh, out of out of the season before <laughs> we, we worry about the draft. Um, so offensively for the Eagles, or actually, my worry this week when it comes to Gannon and Steichen, and I shouldn't be worried, but they've had all this talk of or all these interviews for head coaching jobs that I don't know. We, they, they can say it all they want in press conferences that their focus is on the New York Giants. Their focus is on the, is on the New York Giants. But in the back of their minds, their focus could be, you know, I need to – I hope I put this game plan together to show that I would make a good head coaching candidate. So, like, I am a tad bit worried about our coaching staff. And, they, and again, this doesn't, this doesn't all have anything to do with them becoming – you know, with Steichen and Gannon becoming head coaching candidates, but the the coaching staff hasn't been good the last month of the season since that Chicago game. Coaching staff they weren't good in that Chicago game. Um, they were they were good in they were pretty good except that third and thirty um, in the in the Dallas game. That was more of a Gardner Minshew having a bad game. That's why they lost that. They weren't good in the Saints game, and it was very vanilla in the Giants game. So the Eagles coaching staff is a big big question mark for me when it comes. Um, to the preparation and going into this game on Saturday night. Absolutely. No, I agree. And the, the fish. Sorry about the technical difficulties back here on the Kelly Green Hour as we are talking about the Eagles and the Giants and some of the comments in, in the chat, Giants fans, and I know Connor brought it up, Giants fans are being cocky up here in New York. They will see what happens when they play much better D than Minnesota has. Minnesota was horrible in D and almost still won that game. Won't be close. And, and I briefly, Connor, did hear you say that it's, it is going to be close. It's not going to be a blowout. Um, and, and you saw it in the, the Bills-Dolphins game, and we saw it in the Ravens-Bengals game, the division game. It won't be a blowout. Minnesota's D is very bad. Um, and the Giants don't have that much talent. Look, if we're basing it off talent, the Eagles are a more, much more talented team than the New York Giants. But the game isn't played on paper. It isn't played on Madden. They actually play it on the field. Um, and if you think about it, like, is Brian Dayball a better coach than Nick Sirianni? Like, Dayball's a really good coach. Um Wink Martindale is a really good defensive coordinator. I don't know about Mike Kafka as the, the offensive coordinator because I think Dable is the one that designs the plays, but we'll see what we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be close. We're going to be biting our nails in the fourth quarter. Um, Allison says, like you said, the offense is built on the arms and legs of Jalen Hurts until he's healthy. We don't know how healthy. I mean, we presume he's going to be a lot healthier than he was two weeks ago. Um, will he be the um, – the, the, from the December, what, December 18th, week, whatever, week 14 game in, in, in Jersey, will he be that? That, he, that was the Eagles' best game of the year. Will he, will he be that good, Connor? I would love to see him be that good. The Eagles mm-hmm. put up points in 148-22, so I don't know. Um, other than Dory Jackson and Xavier McKinney, do the, do the Giants have any DBs worthy? Uh, Julian Love is pretty good. Um, they're strong safety. He, I think he's, he's decent. Like He's not all-world. But he, but he's good, and I know he had that bad play against um, in that Eagles game in Jersey where Devontae on fourth was it fourth and whatever fourth and six they threw it up to Devontae and Julian Love went for like the, the interception instead of the kill shot, and um, and, and missed it. Um, 
I don't know if Fedorian Jackson is really all that good. Like, I don't see how their corners are going to be able to cover Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. Also, we better not force the ball to Quez Watkins. This is a Dallas Goddard game. What did um, T.J. Hawkinson do against the Giants? Both, or do, yeah, do against the Giants both games, um, both Minnesota New York games. Like he he had a field day um, both games. So Dallas Goddard, I don't know if Jalen Smith can't cover him. Um, Micah McFadden, Landon Collins, I don't think they can cover um, Dallas Goddard, Connor. So Dallas Goddard should have a huge game. He better be incorporated into this offensive game plan. Absolutely. And, and I don't think there's any DBs really to worry about all that much. I mean, yeah, like you said, I, I like Julian Love. I think he's good. I don't think he's anything great, but he stands out on the field. Uh, last week, Darnay Holmes made a few plays. They're guys who can make plays, but they're just really inconsistent. I just don't think there's anything to really worry about there. I mean, I don't they want to do deserve I, credit though because they took Justin Jefferson out the game. They did, week. they did. Yeah, exactly. But like the Eagles pair of receivers, the mm-hmm. group of receivers, I think is better than the group that Minnesota has. Justin Jefferson is better than like the best receiver, but when you put the groups together, I think the Eagles group is a lot better than that Minnesota group. Absolutely. I agree. Like you can sit there and say Justin Jefferson's better. Yeah, but that when you're playing the receiving game, look at what look at how much dividends it pays to have two wide receivers who can do their thing, two wide receivers who can work together, plus a guy like Dallas Goddard underneath. Hawkinson, like you said, he feasted. He had a great game. But Justin Jefferson got shut down. Adam Thielen was almost non-existent. KJ Osborne had a pretty bad drop, but he wasn't what he had been in prior weeks. Like consistency is definitely a key and Philadelphia seems to have had more of that consistency other other than like Minnesota we saw Justin Jefferson get get shut down against Philadelphia too it feels like this receiving core just has more of that consistency to it especially with Dallas Goddard back I mean Dallas Goddard was only back for what that one week maybe two weeks and we didn't I don't think we really got to see him get fully involved and immersed in those couple of games so now I think we're going to see him get even more immersed especially after you saw last week like you said tj hawkinson uh feasting on guys like jared davis jalen smith um and then you just got guys like adory jackson and julian love who would cover and they're just not these huge coverage guys or guys who are going to be able to handle someone like dallas goddard um so no i don't think there's any dbs or about defensively i don't think there's any matchup that is i would sit there and peg it as a win for the for the New York Giants, um, the matchup where they could win or where they have the opportunity is probably going to be their defensive line, their blitzing up against our offensive line because that's what's going to be interesting. And making sure that uh, in the, some of those games again with uh, when we had Gardner Minshew out there, there was no extra help given to the offensive line. It was pretty much five against whatever the four and whatever pressure came. And I feel like you got to protect Jalen Hurts a lot more because you can't have him going down or taking some big shots while he's back at practice 100%. I do have my concerns that he may not be 100% and you don't want him taking any big shots or unnecessary shots if you can help it. Allison says, is Josh Sweat healthy? What do you think? He's practicing. He's practicing. I know he's been a limited participant and he says he's, he's going to play. So, I mean, that'll be a nice uh, getting him back, um, you know, in the Giants, that last game against their backup offensive line, while I think they had a couple of sacks, it just didn't feel like they got any pressure on Davis Webb. Um, so it's going to be key to try to get pressure and and 
you know, force the ball out of Daniel Jones' hands early if they're going to throw it. Um, so having having Josh Sweat um, back is going to be is going to be vital to the defense. Yeah, I think giving Josh Sweat back is is huge, no matter what. Like, even it's a bot, it's a body to account for. It's a fairly consistent body to account for for the offensive line. He's somebody that even at eighty percent or seventy percent is probably better than one hundred percent. Robert Quinn at this point, Robert Quinn's been abysmal. He's terrible against the run. He hasn't been producing much for pressure. So, any type of consistent play off the edge is going to be huge. Um, and hopefully it was just kind of like a, the shock of the hit and stuff. And it's not like a major injury. Hopefully it was just kind of like a shock type situation, knock the wind out of you type situation. And he just took a few weeks off and he's top and he's better. He's going to be close to a hundred percent. Do we have any RBs or tight ends that are good at pass pro? Um, Dallas Goddard is good at pass. Projector. Dallas Goddard's good. He just but you want him, but you want him out there in the, in the route. Exactly. Like if he's bumping and grinding and just kind of giving that extra half second to one second that might be necessary for Hertz to make the decision, throw the ball fine, but you can't have him standing there going to war as a sixth man on the offensive line. That's more of like a situation where you're probably going to have to have Jack stole. Like, honestly, if you have to take Quez Watkins off the field to make sure you have two tight ends and one stays at home and the other goes out. Dallas Goddard, Devontae Smith, and A.J. Brown are going to do way better than having three wide receivers and a tight end out there and no extra body to support the offensive line, I think, personally. That's just my take on it. It, it. It's not a matter of do we have any RBs or tight ends that are good at pass pro. It's about leveraging any type of extra added time you can give Jalen Hurts. If it's just a bump, just like a pick-type situation, just something to give some added time to alleviate some pressure, even if it's just for one second, just that extra time to make the decision um and yeah running backs like i mean i i would probably say kenneth gainwell might be the best pass pro one but you don't want him out on the field a lot i don't think you but like you don't want a running back or a tight end staying at home just to help the offensive line unless it's jack stole and you have like two tight ends out there that would be the only way i could see it all right so before we get to our prediction let's let's look at the other three Divisional round matchup. So the Saturday afternoon game, the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Kansas City Chiefs. Andy Reid versus Doug Peterson. Um, in the AFC, the top four seeds are all in, still in it. And then in the NFC, you have the one, two, five, and six seeds in it. I'm taking Kansas City. Um, Jacksonville's a good story this week going from, you know, the number one overall pick – or good story this year going from the number one overall pick in that disaster under Urban Meyer last year to Doug Peterson kind of – straightening things out and, and being a great hire for Trevor Lawrence. But I think it ends here and Andy Reid and the Kansas City, Kansas City Chiefs move on to the AFC Championship game. Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, the teams that are here outside of the New York Giants, I don't find, even, even the Dallas Cowboys, I don't find this as a surprise now. This is kind of how a lot of people, except for me and you, we drew Green Bay into this picture. But for most people, I don't think that this now, after as the season has rolled on, that this is surprising what's here. And now, like, I don't really see, like, a true, like, the Giants over Minnesota, I would have bet whatever money. I would have said, here, take my paycheck for this week and bet it because that's the type of confidence I had in an underdog last week. I'm not necessarily there with any of these underdogs this week, except like Bengals and Bills we can talk about. But, I mean, five-and-a-half point spread for Buffalo, I feel like that's significant. Um, but, yeah, otherwise, yeah, I'm going Chiefs too. I, I, the Jags are a feel-good story. 
like you said, but I think the Chiefs are just too dominant offensively. This is one of those situations where offense versus defense, I think the Chiefs can put up whatever points they need to win the game. And it doesn't matter. It could be a a game where the over-under is 52. This game could be up there like that. And having two teams scoring close to 30 points. But at the end of the day, I trust Mahomes to get that done. And then let's go to the Sunday game. The first game is the Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo Bills. Probably the game of the weekend, I think. Um, They didn't get to finish their game um, on Monday night a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, we all know what happened there. I'm going to take – and what has a chance to be a a classic, I think. I'm going to take Buffalo. Um, They'll win by a field goal late. Give me Buffalo advancing to the AFC Championship game, which will be played in Atlanta, Georgia – between the Chiefs and the Bills. I'm going to go with the Bills as well, and it's solely for the fact that if I were to pick a defense, like I said earlier in the show, to make that much-needed stop, I think I trust the Buffalo Bills more than the Cincinnati Bengals' defense to make that stop. Sure, go back and say, but look at Huntley. Josh Allen ain't reaching that ball out like Huntley and giving you a chance to make that type of turnover. That's not the type of scenario I think you're going to see with this Buffalo Bills offense. I trust the offense more. I trust the defense more. But that is not to discount Joe Burrow, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins is an absolutely – and Joe Mixon is a wild offense, a very good offense, and I think they have an extremely bright future together. I just think I'm giving it to the Bills this year. Yeah, the, uh, Joe Burrow, has, his comment last week was, our window's open as long as I'm playing. So um, if they could fix that offensive line, they have, I think, three injured, three starters injured on the offensive line, so it's going to be a tough day uh, for that Cincy um, offense. And, but, but I think it still should be a good game. The Sunday night game, the Dallas Cowboys at the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, the Niners with the best defense in football. Brock Purdy, the, the story, I think, of at least the last half of the year since he since he took over for Jimmy G, uh, the injury, injured Jimmy G. I'm going to take the Niners to win by 10. I'm going to go the Niners by 10 over Dallas. Wow. Um, I don't know if I'm going to go 10, but there's a chance. Like, that 49ers defense is elite. That that one definitely deserves to go in the Hall of Fame is like one of those defenses that you're going to look back and you're going to remember. They allow 16 points a game. Their yardage they're giving up, it's a bit like offenses cannot do very much. I, I was shocked when Seattle started the way they did. And then once the second half started going, I was like, ah, there it is. Like that defense just that defense just isn't going to be held down for a full four quarters. That defense is going to, like, you got to put up points very, very fast and be able to pray your defense can hold up. I wouldn't trust, but the Cowboys, the weaponry on the offense is just too good. Like, but guy like Brock Purdy, he looks like a stud. Does he deserve to look like a stud? Maybe not. Like, you could argue it's part of the system if you want to argue the system. But you got Debo Samuel, you got Brandon Ayuk, you got George Kittle, you got Elijah Mitchell, you got Christian McCaffrey. It's just the weaponry is wild. It's crazy what he has to work with there. Um, so I'm, I agree with you. I'm go. I think it will be a touchdown. But I don't, I don't know about 10. I don't know if I'd go that far. Um, but the Cowboys are going to have to bring, like, their best, best game of the year if they want to pull this upset out over their 49ers. I think Dak throws a pick six, you know, last week he, against a bad team. He, Is that part he, of your parlay? Boston's got any time touchdown. Dak Prescott any time pick six. <laughs> I, should, I should add that to my uh, – you're right. I should add that to my parlay. But no, it's not that. All right, and the game that we are here for, the Philadelphia Eagles and the New York Giants at the link, 
Saturday night, fo- Saturday night football in Philadelphia. The Eagles coming off of two week, two weeks off because of the bye. The Giants had played Sunday. Your offensive player, defensive player to watch out for uh, for the Eagles, and your prediction. This is what you pay the money for, and my offensive and defensive players to watch are going to be AJ Brown and Chauncey Gardner Johnson. This is what these guys. Well, oh, Gardner Johnson hasn't gotten his bank yet, but he's going to get his money. Um, but A.J. Brown, you like you said, you're going to have to get that ball out quick because you know Wink Brandale is going to bring the blitz. You know there's going to be pressure all night on Jalen Hurts, and Jalen Hurts should not vacate the pocket and go running very often. A.J. Brown is going to be a guy like you could put – brown smith or goddard into this section i think all three may go for 100 yard games like you got to get that ball out very quickly and you got to leave it to the legs of your receivers to make something happen because you do not want to rely on the legs of jalen hurts jalen hurts you want to put it all on the line in the super bowl go ahead but let's get there first healthy and with not putting anything on that shoulder again or taking unnecessary hits so aj brown Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, he led the league tied, tied technically. If he didn't get injured, I think he wins the interception title this year. But he's a guy, he's been making plays. He's a guy who's going to have to step up as a, as a guy who's going to play down close to the line of scrimmage without Avante Maddox. He's going to be a guy who's probably going to have to play back at the safety. He's going to be playing a lot of different roles. I think he's going to make some plays. I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, uh, a pick maybe a forced fumble, some big plays, some game-changing plays from Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. He's going to earn himself that contract in through this playoffs. He's already earned it. He's going to earn uh, he's going to add more on top of it through these playoffs. And prediction if I was a betting man, I don't think I'd take the seven and a half. I do not think Philly wins by seven and a half. I do I think it's going to be like I think it's going to be a 6-point game here. I'm going 20 four to now i'm going i don't 24 seems low for our offense to put up but i 27 okay i'll give us three extra i'm going 27 to 21 i'm making a six point game so offensively i'm going dallas goddard i mentioned how hawkinson had big games against the a couple big games against the giants and i think we'll get the dallas goddard before before his injury this week and he should have a big game um and the offense is going to start looking like the offense we saw before that Chicago game when, when it was just clicking clicking on all cylinders. Defensively, I'm going to go James Bradbury against this former team. I think while the receivers for the Giants aren't that good, Isaiah Hodgins has been has been pretty good. Darius Slayton has been has been all right. Um, you know, I don't want to say his name, but Kenny Galladay had a touchdown against Darius Slay in the Week 18 game. Um, but I think Bradbury is going to have an interception this week force, or force a turnover somehow. And um, and then it's going to be key for that entire secondary to help with tackling Saquon Barkley because we don't want him running in, in the open field. So I think Bradbury is going to have a big game against his former team. And he's already made himself a lot of money, and he's just going to go out and prove that it wasn't a fluke throughout the regular season. And then he's just going to continue on with what, what he's been doing. So, Absolutely. I, I definitely – that's something I agree with you. The, the tackling – got better then it got worse again and then it got but it's inconsistent finish your tackles or at least for the love of god get a hold of the guy and wait for help to come do not let people get by you make those tackles and if you if you're not certain you can make the tackle don't be the heat seeking missile marcus apps or reed blankenship wrap the guy up and wait for some help make good tackles take smart angles be smart 
And when it comes to my prediction, I'm gonna go 31-20. And I think it's just gonna it's gonna be like a late score. It's gonna be close going into the half, probably close going into or a, a one score game going into the fourth quarter. And then I just think the Eagles will do Eagles things. If they have the ball, they'll you know run the clock, score a late touchdown, and then you know somebody will force a turnover late in the in the fourth quarter, and the Eagles will be able to kneel their way to the NFC Championship game where they will host the San Francisco 49ers. Even though there's that legit possibility that the Eagles and Dallas could be in the NFC Championship game in Philly, and if that happens, I don't know if the world is going to be able to to handle that type of atmosphere at the link. So I'm going to go 31-20, Eagles win. And then we'll have ch chalk going into the uh, championship games, one versus two in the AFC, one two versus two in the NFC. Yeah, it, it seems boring, but, I mean, at the end of the day, there was there so four much. four best teams. Yeah, at the end of the day, yeah, the, the four best teams, there was parity outside of, like, the top, let's call it six. Like, if you go outside of the top six teams, because the Bengals, Bills, like, the – chiefs like there was discussion with that so once you go outside the top six teams there was so much parity everybody was sitting at right near 500 or just below 500 it felt so good but there was always four runaways with it like you said and these are the four teams that were expected to be the runaways maybe we didn't predict it at the beginning of the season like we thought but as the season rolled on this seemed to be the four that inevitably were going to be there Maybe there's a shocker pulled out here, but the only shocker would be, I think, would be Bengals over the Bills. And even then, I don't think that's a big shocker. That's the fifth team in line then. So then you look at the top five teams, and it would have been the fifth team. So, All right. So Saturday night can't – this week has has been dragging on. Saturday night can't get here quick enough. But we are excited for the Philadelphia Eagles to kick off their playoff, um, playoffs this week at home at the link where Philadelphia fans will have 12 plus hours of drinking in their system for an 15 game. So that should be interesting. And if the Eagles don't win the game, I, I don't want to think about it, but if the Eagles don't win the game, there's going to be a lot of, we're, we're oh, and, and of I don't know if you saw that. I'm sure you have. We are 13 and one with the referee head referee that we have. I don't, I think that's a meaningless stat. I do, it honestly. is a meaningless stat, but you have to, you never yeah. know. You never know. Maybe they give us a friendly push here or there, you know, you never know. All right. Thanks for everybody that joined us here for our early uh, preview of the Philadelphia Eagles and the New York Giants in the divisional round of the playoffs Saturday night at Lincoln Financial Field. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour for Connor. I'm LJ. Go Birds. Fly Eagles fly. You want Philly Philly? Yeah, let's do it. Sanders patiently running. Sanders could cut.